Seinfeld, the wait out is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who will always be there for you. I'm Rob Sisterino, and here's Cuba Winokur. Cuba, how are you? Isn't that a Friends podcast yes, thing? That's a, that will open the Friends podcast once we get through going through the order of Friends episodes. Yeah, I think people would uh, would probably actually like that. Yes, yes, I think that would be good. And then we'd have to do the to get going. How many? There's a lot of episodes of Friends, though. There's like 200 something. Yeah, probably more. I don't know if it's a, was it 10 seasons of Friends, nine seasons of Friends. It's too many. A lot. It's a lot of Friends. Not hating on the show, but too many to podcast about. Yeah, it. the thing is, like Seinfeld is a little bit more manageable because in like season one, season two are not full episode orders. So it's sort of like just basically like from season three on is a full boat of episodes. I mean, 180 episodes is really a lot. It's a lot, but it's, uh, you know, still. Uh, it's, I mean, this is taking us like three and a half years. Let's not play this down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a, a presidential term. Literally, like you could have two presidents and come and go by the time we finish. Yes. Yes. OK. And uh, the, we won't go any further into that uh, as we record this organic. on Wednesday, November 9th, 2016. It's a great day for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we are ready to go. Keith, how you been? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get to this episode. I f- I'm, I'm very excited just about where we are, like the end of season seven, beginning of season eight. Yeah. You know, we're, we're such like next week is so momentous. And then season eight is like such a big season. Like almost every episode is super memorable. And uh, and, you know, now with every episode, like now that we're in the final 50, you just feel ourselves getting closer to the end. Yeah, we are right there. Of course, next week is going to be the invitation. So a lot of hoopla, I'm sure, will be uh, on our way for that. Keith, anything you want to touch on before we dive into this week's episode, The Wait Out? No, the only thing is we got a lot of feedback about something we didn't really know last week that neither of us were familiar with. People were really mad Uh that we did not know what Mellow Yellow was, or maybe we knew, but we we sort of had no experience with it. Yeah, didn't know anything about the Mellow Yellow. I think it came down to like everyone who's saying, oh, you didn't know is from like Pittsburgh or Cleveland, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, like the Rust the, Belt or or Midwest. Yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, where they uh, celebrate the mellow black and yellow for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right, and yes. with Khalifa. But I, <laughs> I think I think that um, I, I think that it's regional. I don't I don't think because they're like, well, haven't you ever been to uh, you know like any sort of restaurant that has a Coke fountain? One of the choices everyone was saying is mellow yellow. It's like Coke, Dr Pepper. Assuming Coke owns Dr Pepper, I don't remember anything. Um and Sprite mm-hmm. and then Mellow Yellow, but I've yeah. never seen it, so clearly it's regional. Like if you guys say so, I think we should. Uh, we should, but then it's like a good maybe at the finale we'll give everyone we'll serve Mellow the Mellow Yellow. There you go. Yes, for everybody who comes to our finale party in Australia. All right, so then let's jump into talking about this week's episode, the Wait Out, with some interesting guest stars that we have uh, both uh, Deborah Messing and Carrie Elways, who are playing a couple that is splitting up the Jerry and Elaine. I've been waiting out for quite some time. And Kramer uh, really is probably the first person to be wearing the uh, skinny jeans for men. I'm so excited that you pronounced Carrie's last name. Yes. Because I was just going to call him like Ooze the whole time. No, Carrie Elways. Yeah. From Princess Bride fame. Have you seen that movie? Keeve? This is a fun game for the listeners at home. Has Akiva seen the Princess Bride? I think he has. At least one person asked that in the mailbag. Uh, the answer is no. Never oh. seen one second of it. Denied. People still reference it a lot on Twitter. 
And, you know, I, I feel a little left out, but also, I don't know, doesn't sound that great. Have you watched any of the short circuit movies since we've last spoke? No, I didn't think I was supposed to. I didn't know I had homework for this week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's get into the wait out, the penultimate episode from season seven of Seinfeld, May 9th, 1996, story by Peter Melman, uh, written by Peter Melman and Matt Selman. The Melman-Selman connection. Yes. Really an epic writing team. Melman and Selman uh, here together, I believe, for the first time working together, right? Yeah, this is Selman's only credit. Selman now is the uh, showrunner for The Simpsons, I think. Look at him. Which is, I mean, going to season 30. Can you imagine if we did that as a weekly podcast? Oh, my God. We'd never catch up. I, actually, we'd catch up in the summers. They, if they, Right. If you do, if we never missed a week, and we, we you know, the only thing we're good for is we never miss a week. The, so Mostly. the 52 weeks. Yeah. Right. And they do 22 a season. So we'd catch up 30 a season. So assuming hmm. the show goes forever, as it appears like it will, um, it would take us like, uh, oh, my God, probably like, like 30 years, to years right? I think 30 years to catch up because remember, they're still going like now oh, they're at 600. Yeah. But they still go as we catch up. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I think we picked the right show. We picked the right show. We picked the right show. We should have done not- Freaks and Geeks, maybe. <laughs> Why? How many episodes are there of that? It's one season. Famously. One season. But we just keep doing that over and over and over again. Okay. So let's talk about the wait out. We start off with the stages of couples being separated. By the way, Keeve, if is mm. there stand up for next week's episode? Is this the last stand up? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. I, I wouldn't know that off the top of my head, but I okay, can certainly we'll look see. it up while we Put talk. a pin in that as we go into next week's episode. So we have Jerry talking about the different stages of a couple breaking up of where we're separated. We're not seeing each other. Uh, is that is that is still a thing? Are couples breaking up faster in right, 2016? So th- there, there is a monologue. So this is the second to last monologue. Okay. The penultimate, penultimate monologue. Yes. Are couples breaking up or do, do they go through stages? Do they go to... Um, I feel like there's a lot more counseling now. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like marriage counseling is like a booming business. I'm not sure if it was mid-hammer time. The, are people separated? I feel like they do get separated. But isn't it mostly technical? Like, it just takes a long time to legally get divorced. Interesting. Yeah. And then where are you going to live? It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. I like don't you know. can't just say it, unless it's like two kids who get married and like six months later and they have no assets and no like kids. I mean, you know, like let's say two 23 year olds right out of college and they get married and they have no assets and they're, uh, you know, neither one of their family is like especially wealthy and they don't have any children yet. Like they could just split up and sort of like annul it basically. Other than that, you know, once you get lawyers involved, it takes a long time. I think you should be able to get divorced on an app like uh, you download the app. She downloads the app or he downloads the app and he downloads the app. Hey, it's 2016, Keith. And so what you would then do is then like both of you like put in your Apple password and then boom, divorce. I think there is a country where it's like binding if you text someone that you're divorcing them. Yes. You just have to tell them. I think if the man, I think it's like, um, like maybe not a first world country mm-hmm. and it's like the man can divorce the woman, you know, on, like it's up to the man to divorce only, I think. And so like if he's, if he texts saying I'm divorcing you, you're divorced. Wow. Okay. I mean, that works. That's fine. Yeah. And I don't know what the deal is with like splitting the assets then and stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the it really episode. sounds like a pain. I don't know why anyone would ever do that. It just sounds like a lot of work. To get divorced. Oh, so much work. 
it does seem v- like there is a great deal of effort involved. Wouldn't you rather just stay miserable in like and stay in the same house forever? I mean, that's been my thought process so far. <laughs> I, I can't I can't see why anyone doesn't do that. Yeah. All right. So then let's go into the wait out uh, where we start off with Elaine has a new hairdo. Uh, was this a plot point at all, Keith, or did we just have to explain Elaine has new hair at this episode? It probably explaining probably, you know, this is the end of the season. So my guess off the top of my head is she probably did a movie that summer and she needed to fix her hair for the movie or something. What? A Julia and, Louis-Dreyfus movie? That's what I'm guessing, because, you know, it's the end of the season. So a lot of times, you know, sitcom actors will maybe pick up a movie to supplement their income in the in the summer. Why? So I'll check her IMDb and see if there's anything that really although you don't you never know, because. Who knows when, you know, movies could get released two years after their film. Yeah. So Julie Louis-Dreyfus in 1996 did a TV movie called London Sweet. Yeah, but I'd, I'd say it'd have to be. It wouldn't have, wouldn't come out till 97. So we're probably looking at Father's Day, I, Father's Day or Deconstructing Harry. That's what that's what I would think. Father's Day, uh, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Yeah, not not a bad cast, but man. A clunker. <laughs> a clunker indeed. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Billy Crystal with uh, Mark on Mark Marin a couple of weeks ago. I think he mentioned this movie. Yeah. He said it's his best. No, 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 no. I think he was just talking about uh, somebody that he worked with on it. But no, I don't think not, not his best. Not his best. And Deconstructing Harry is a Woody Allen movie. Mm hmm. Sure. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Are you a Woody Allen guy? Not really. I mean, I've seen some no. of his stuff, but I'm not like uh, one of these uh, Woody Allen completists like some people. Yeah. So, all right. Elaine has new hair this episode. Uh, so what? You like it? Jerry says she looks like Brenda Starr. Yeah. Who's that? That's a cartoon character. Yes. I, I think she's like comic book person. One of us should know this. Yeah. I think it's want to say that it's Brenda Starr with uh, two R's, but that could be. Yeah. Brenda Starr with two R's. Oh, yeah. I thought she was like, it's like it's like in. A famous comic but no the comic itself is called brenda star like yeah. she's the star of uh, no pun intended yeah. of the comic i wouldn't say at all that her hair is like what elaine's hair is like in this episode for the record uh, especially isn't brenda star a redhead yes yeah so i don't i don't know what jerry's talking about very timely reference that holds up <laughs> so all right they are sitting there and they look over and we have the couple that is on the rocks and they are what David and Beth? David and Beth. David they, and their Beth. marriage is on the rocks. David and Beth were the popular steady in the king and the queen of the prom, uh, and they are going to. Uh, speaking of Brenda, Brenda Starr and Eddie were the uh, popular steady. Okay, uh, they are not going well. We don't really know too much about what the problem is, but whatever it is, it is about to get a lot worse. Well, I have a theory about the about what the problem could be. Good. What is it? Because David seems like a decent man. Mm-hmm. Um, but Beth, you know, we we never see David again, but we do see Beth played by Deborah Messing mm-hmm. again in the yada yada next season. And she is already even though it's just next season and we're practically done here. She's already remarried to somebody else. Oh, wow. OK. And she's famously a racist and an anti-Semite. As yeah. we learned at the end of the yada yada. <laughs> so there's a lot going on with Beth that maybe, you know, we don't see in this 22 minute episode. <laughs> yeah. I would say also that Elaine speaks to the fact that David is dumb. Uh, She calls him uh, stupid later on in the episode. So that could also play a factor. He also asks a lot of hypothetical questions to himself. Yeah, no, listen, this is a match like made in hell. Um, (laughs) But I I think that, uh, you know, 
Beth may be a big a big issue here. Okay, all right. So Elaine has long thought that David is sponge worthy. Jerry has a thing for Beth. They both have been waiting out this marriage to break up. Here comes George. He mentions that somebody has a car taking up three parking spaces, and we find out that Elaine has her friend Elise's car. She lent it to Elaine when she went out of town. Her car is like some sort of seafoam green Ford Taurus. Are you saying how would a tiny Ford Taurus take up three spots? Is that your <laughs> well, question? I wouldn't say that it is a tiny Ford Taurus. I, that was my first car, Keith, but it is uh, certainly uh, not an attractive vehicle. I mean, even an SUV would have a very tough time taking up three spots. Yes, you would think so. So, Keith, the Elaine driving storyline, I feel like, goes absolutely nowhere and has no payoff. And Elaine has another storyline. So as we've seen, like a lot of times the fourth storyline <laughs> is sometimes like thrown in last second. But this isn't even Elaine's storyline, right? Her storyline is that it's it's very much an overlapped storyline with Jerry that they're, you know, splitting up Beth and David. Mm-hmm. But it's not so necessary. I mean, it's not. Not funny, but I agree that it doesn't go anywhere. The moments of Elaine driving the car and distracted driving Elaine, I think that that's all pretty funny, but there's just no sort of payoff in the plot, ultimately. And I know it's supposed to be like, oh, Jerry gets nauseous, and that's how he blows it with Deborah Messing at the end of the episode, but I think that that did not read. Right, and And also, if you're doing physical comedy, which you kind of do need to, because this isn't like a real car situation, you almost need Michael Richards in the car. Like, have Kramer go through the windshield. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. All right. So George comes in and uh, obviously is talking about the car taking up uh, three spaces. And at that point, David and Beth come over and we introduce David to George. And George has a line after they reveal that she is a doctor. She used to be Don Mattingly's doctor. Was she his back doctor? Uh, I know she's not, you know, like a HIPAA compliant doctor. Mm-hmm. You just walk around like saying your most famous clients to be your most famous patients. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. Uh, he's a salesman and George gives the line. Wow. A physician married to a salesman. Well, I got to tell you, Beth, you could have done a lot better than him. Um. Yeah. I mean, is he joking or is he being serious? He's being folksy. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's tough coming. It's like, it's like the, it's like the glass calling the, you know, the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, it's, uh, it's tough to, you know, to hear from George, especially it's like a double whammy for David. I mean, I think also we have no knowledge of what he is a salesman of. I mean that. He, I thought he said insurance. Insurance salesman. Yeah. yeah he said insurance, I sell insurance salesman. Okay. That's right. All right. I was going to try to make the case of maybe he could be selling some like High-end items. Yeah, or it could be like a sad sack Willie Loman. I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. And he might do all right. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of insurance salesmen. Yeah, George needs up. more information. Like, he, yeah, he, he could be the best salesman on the East Coast, or he could just be like a struggling salesman who barely takes home a commission. You know, George needs to know more information before. And she might be the worst doctor in the world, although maybe not, because how would she get done Madeline? Well, she says she used to be, but Madeline is like still around, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he just left. He just he's not on the team anymore this season. So 
Maybe that's what they mean. Like, because used to be means like you found a better doctor. Usually, I think it's also weird to say, "Oh, you're a female physician." Well, you could have married a guy with a much better job. I, I don't necessarily know. Is there some correlation between the better job you have, the better job your spouse would have? I, is it a more of like back in the day they would say like it's more emasculating that you know for the woman to be the like the primary income earner? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is more that that it's not like. It's not just that they don't match. It's that, you know, she is even if she's like a 10 and he's a nine, she's still beating him. But he's not saying to David, like, boy, like, uh, how do you live with uh, not being the breadwinner? He's like, he's saying to her, boy, you could have done a lot better than this guy. You think Chester, whose wife's a doctor, gets that a lot? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe ask her. Maybe ask her. Ask maybe that I would like to know from Mrs. Chester. In Dr. terms Chester. of yeah, Dr. Chester, maybe the other women that she works with, what do their spouses do? That's a good question. And is there any sort of like good natured ribbing for the other female physicians based on what their husbands might do? I bet there's like a stay at home husband. And mm-hmm. that guy is like really, you know, like gets ragged on a lot. I guess so. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully not by other spouses that he meets. No, I mean, probably no one. Probably she gets ribbed on the most. Dr. Chester. <laughs> All right, let's go to Kramer with Mickey. It's a Mickey episode. They're back and Mickey and Kramer come in. Mickey is auditioning to get into the actor's studio. Keith, I only know about the actor's studio from James Lipton. I started thinking about it and now I'm saying, is the actor's studio a place? Is it a program? What is it? I think without doing any research that he, he it's like he's like a professor at NYU and it's like students come to his acting studio and they learn how to act there. And the only and like we know about it because he interviews people. But and that's the only reason it's, that show doesn't still exist, does it? I think it does. I don't know. It does? Yeah. That was like when before Bravo had reality TV. That's what they would show. Just yes. like a lot of James Lipton interviewing people. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite curse word? Yes. But um, I, I think that um, like, yeah. So Mickey's trying to get into the studio, which is like an acting workshop, I think. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, it says that the Actor Studio is a membership organization for professional actors, theater directors, and playwrights uh, at 432 West 44th Street in Hell's Kitchen. So it's not related to NYU at all? It's just in the neighborhood? Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah, probably okay. they get a lot of spillover, but I don't think so. I think it's like its own thing. Oh, it used to be the new school, and now it's part of Pace, I see. Okay, so... There you go. So Mickey is trying to get in there and we end up with Jerry bringing up that, hey, you know, Kramer, when I first met you, you used to wear jeans all the time. Now you never wear jeans. What up with that? It's a little a little strange that they would just bring in and bringing, you know, he's, he's just bring up the jeans thing. Like, who cares? The line that sets it up is Kramer says, uh, look at these pants, Mickey. They're falling apart. And Jerry says, hey, what happened when you used to wear jeans? I don't see his pants falling apart also. No, I don't know. And so Kramer says that like he was a different man then. And Jerry like is fat shaming Kramer. He says, yeah, with a different body. Yeah, that gets a laugh. But I like that's weird. What was he? Like, he's fat now. He was fat then. I'm confused. I mean, it seems weird to have a storyline that Kramer is fat. Right. And he's clearly not. So maybe he used to be fat. I don't know. Well, I think he they're saying he used to be skinnier. Maybe he was even lankier. I mean, he's really skinny now. It would be I mean, Jerry's thin, too. But still, like it, that's really the person you're going to fat shame. You you guys are in, you know, 
you, every day you see Newman and George and you're going to fat shame Kramer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I would buy it more if Kramer is saying that he doesn't like denim for some reason and then wants to prove to Jerry that he could do it. But he ends up just uh, defending that he has a taut body, the body of a preteen Swedish boy. Yeah, it's a little creepy. <laughs> it's really creepy. And so Kramer ends up saying like, oh, you don't think I can wear jeans anymore? All right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go get some jeans. You'll see. Oh, uh, yeah, he'll show you. Yeah, that's it. All right. So we end up with Elaine and Jerry driving around. Elaine breaking all sorts of traffic rules. Uh, Jerry getting very nauseous here as she's driving. I mean, there is this stereotype of like, there's a lot of people in Manhattan that just literally never drive. Mm hmm. Uh, but they have their license, so like they'll rent a car once in a while, or they'll borrow a car, and they are just atrocious drivers. Yeah, and so that, so this is that's a lane. Yeah, I guess that's a lane. Okay, and so she loves driving. She's having so much fun. Uh, we learned that she hit a dog once. Yeah, you wouldn't even put that in now. Dogs are too <laughs> sacred to even mention that. It's too sacred. Yeah, Elaine has uh, so many dog abuse stories. Yeah, it really vacillates constantly between being like this animal rights activist. And someone who's murdered dozens of pets over the course of the series. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so David and Beth got separated last night. Yeah. I mean, we have to talk. Jerry and Elaine here are in full like heel mode. They're in full evil people. You know, we're going to split them up. We don't care about, you know, they're not even divorced yet. We're swooping in, you know, no, no like no morals at all. Uh, you know, there, there's no sort of I guess George in this episode is sort of the. Uh, the moral compass. I mean, he, he's only in it because he feel he cares about himself. But still, like if and if George is your the person telling you what you're doing is wrong, like your scheme is bad. It's it's not a good sign. Yeah, and we continue with the scheming and the plotting as we get to monks, and we need to figure out how do Jerry and Elaine move in on David and Beth. Now, is this creepy at all? That a couple is scoping out this other separating couple, like. How in the world would Jerry and Elaine, who are best friends, manage their respective relationships with David and Beth? Let's say everything worked out in this episode. Elaine is dating David. Jerry is dating Beth. What is next week's episode of Seinfeld look like? <laughs> right. What, we, clearly, they don't have that in mind. Like, what's next week's episode here? If, if, we, if this is just a successful relationship, like yeah. uh, they really should have thought about that. But I think, um, right, plan A is for them ultimately to have to like incorporate this divorced couple into the gang. And we're going to add two people and they're, you know, going to have previously been married. It's not ideal, right? It's really not ideal. And also don't forget the other member of the gang is the person that caused them to break up in George. Totally. I think the only way this could work is if uh, Beth replaces Elaine in the gang mm -hmm. because there's no way David could be around. And then Beth isn't mad at George. David's mad at George. Yeah. So it's, it does solve that problem. Maybe that's what they were looking. They're sort of like, you know, shoehorning in seeing maybe if we could get rid of, you know, Julie Dreyfus, she's doing movies. Maybe she's not going to come back for season eight. This is sort of like a soft, like test spot for uh, Deborah Messing. Maybe she's going to become the fourth gang member in season eight. Yeah. And we've sort of speculated at times that Elaine is only hanging out with the guys all the time until she met the right person. And then once she met the right guy, then she would just be off and probably never see them again. Right. Which a theory, which is advanced in the bizarro Jerry, right? Just any people she meets, she's willing to dump these guys. <laughs> All right. So they're trying to figure out what to do. How do we figure this out? Cause we got to give them time. We need to give them grieving time, but we can't wait because it's like when an old person dies in a rent control building 
And so they figure out Elaine's idea is that they're not calling for dates. They're just calling and they're calling to say, I'm there for you. Yeah, I'm there for you. I do. I love the line that this like the city's teeming with people who've been waiting out that marriage. Yes. Like that. There's people like literally waiting around for them to break up. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, are there marriages like that? You know, does that work now? Or like people? I mean, I'm sure in Boston, like every woman is sort of like goes to sleep. Like before they go to sleep, they pray for, you know, Tom and Giselle to split up. <laughs> wow. I'm, you know, like or and every guy like I feel like that would be. That's a type of relationship. Wait, that people, the Boston guy is waiting for Tom and Giselle to break up to go after who? Giselle. And oh. the, well, or Tom. I think the Boston guys are cool with Tom. But yeah. And the, and the Boston ladies. I feel like the Boston ladies have a much better chance with Tom Brady than the Boston dudes have with Giselle. Or Tom Brady. Or Tom Brady. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's fair. That's probably a very extreme example of this. I mean, I, Giselle, to me, and I'm sure to you also, that's like. You know, what she's been tainted by a patriot. There's no way I'd go near that. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So Elaine says then once they move in with I'm there for you, eventually they'll just be there. Right. I, I mean, there, is there any way on earth? Like, it's it's weird because they're not close friends with. I mean, this is Elaine's friend, right? So he's not friends at all with David or mm-hmm. with Beth. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it makes somewhat sense for her to be comforting David, but it's like she should really be taking Beth's side. So, you know, they're, it's not like David and Beth aren't going to notice. Ba- David and Beth are very complicit in this whole situation. Could David and Beth be mutual friends of Jerry and Elaine? And, well, I think Elaine says, like, I'm, I guess they could be. It's possible. Yeah, we don't know exactly how it David works. does not seem like the guy that the type of guy that Jerry would be friends with, though. No, I don't believe so. But maybe Beth was sort of an acquaintance of everybody and then i don't know i don't know it, it's it, you're right it is uh very thin at best um yeah and Taught, I, I listen right but what what do they have you know what do they care what jerry and elaine's motives are this is just like uh you know a rebound after they've been married to each other and they hate each other okay so you think that david and beth see through what jerry and elaine are doing yeah i think they're complicit they're just trying to sure. make the other one jealous like oh let me go totally. to this comedian i'll make david it's Drive them crazy. Yes, they're using each other to get at the other person. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know Beth really hates Elaine. This will really make her mad if I go on some dates with her. Uh, yeah, no no question. Okay. And again, like you know, Jerry is really getting the, the good end of the deal here. So back at Jerry's apartment, Jerry and Elaine are there, and they are telling George, like, hey, George, did you hear the great news that David and Beth are separated and uh, George is asking, you don't think it had anything to do with what I said, do you? That uh, and he brings up the line again that she was too good for him. They knew he was being folksy. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Nobody they, they didn't give that a second thought. I mean, if they had a rock solid marriage, I can't imagine that would you know, split them apart overnight. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back, Keeve. Yeah, but listen, if it wasn't this, it might have been something even worse next week. So who probably. All right. So Kramer comes in and now he is wearing the jeans and uh, Kramer is starting off the skinny jeans here in 1996. Yeah. And they didn't take off. It took uh, at least five years, maybe even closer to 10 years for the skinny jeans to really take off. The thing, you know, about this now and how dated it is. It's not even an especially tight pair of pants to look at it from the 2016 perspective. Yeah. Elaine says they are painted on. He says, well, they're slim fit streamlined. You know, 
when I watched this episode the first time as a 12 year old boy and she said they're painted on, I thought she meant literally like they wore an actual jeans. There was like, you know, Sports Illustrated where mm-hmm. like it's paint the, clo- the well, that didn't exist. Then, I don't think. But it's like it's literally painted on. Yes. You know what I mean? Like they were those fake jeans. I didn't understand. <laughs> very literal. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was just an expression. I was a very dumb 12 year old. Yeah. OK, so Kramer says they just had to be worked in a little bit. That's it. I mean, don't clothes get smaller? Like, you clearly can never wash these jeans. Oh, you can't put them in the dryer. Forget about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we see in the next scene, Jerry and Elaine putting the plan into action that they're both on the phone working the I'm there for you angle. Uh, Both of them get a dinner date out of all this. I do like how they consolidate the scenes by sort of piling them up on top of each other. Like when Jerry's talking to her you know, to Beth, uh, David and Elaine are doing their thing also. It, you know, it cuts the scenes in half and it, 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 it streamlines the episode. OK, so Kramer comes in. He's in a hurry. He needs to get to the actor studio. He can't get the jeans off, Keith. Yeah, it's funny because now it would just be like jeans are pro- appropriate work attire. So there would be no issue with him needing to get changed. Mm-hmm. There's only like in, there are very few jobs now. Like what are the jobs left that you actually have to wear a suit to every day? Probably, I would think, legal. Your attorneys have to wear a suit every day? I mean, I think so. I think probably uh, some sort of like a stockbroker. Actually, I think I've noticed something like for the most part, like the people that are wearing a suit, and I don't know if I'm ripping off somebody's stand-up bit or not, it's a the people that have like the best jobs and the worst jobs are wearing suits. A rich man, poor man thing? Yeah, I think it's a real rich man, poor man. What are the bad jobs where you wear a suit? Like some sort of like entry level, like uh, anything where they're like, you really are, are like a schlub and not an important person, but they're trying to make you look like you're an important person. Oh, okay. A like, a dorm, like a doorman in a fancy building. Right. Or, like a really fancy building. They have to wear like a top hat or something. Right. Like, or you go to like in Chester's building. They have to, well, it's not a, it's not a building rule, but Chester makes the doorman wear top hats. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like that's the thing where a lot of places where it's like a, not a great job, like like some used car dealership or something like they're trying like sometimes this is a thing where people used car dealers wear suits. I think that there are places where they wear a suit. Fancy restaurants. Also, the waiters have to wear like really nice stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think sometimes like they're just trying to fool you into thinking like, hey, this is a pretty classy place. And it's not. I think I'm at the point in my life where there's no job I would accept that I'd have to wear a suit every day for. Yeah, I'm probably there also. Like if you said like you could be a sports agent and you could like pick any 50 players that you want, like suit hard pass. Wow. I mean, I think agents wear suits, right? The agents still wear suits. uh, I think so. I think some of them do. I mean, I think I would just go broke on having to buy the suits. I really I don't have I have like I have a roster of like no suits and I, you know, I have one suit. So, you know, I, I would just go broke trying to buy like five days a week. of well, suits. What's your what's your job in this hypothetical scenario? I don't know. There's no who uh, I'm unhirable. Keith. No, well, not real. I'm saying the point is, like, if you have a fancy job where you have to wear a suit, then you can pay for the suits with your money that you're making at your fancy job. Be breaking even at best. <laughs> what, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, you could just wear the same. The, the key that everyone says is the ties. You can wear the same few suits as long as you switch up the ties every day. Yeah. All right. Well, ties aren't cheap either. I mean, you could find cheap ties somewhere in Los Angeles. Somewhere. Sure. Dollar store. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure Costco has like ties, but also <laughs> the the um, what's it called? Like the you don't have to wear like you're making it seem like you need to wear a different suit every day. You need like 
like a shirt rotation where it's, you know, like, what's your shirt rotation? Like 10 shirts, 12 shirts? I got a lot of T-shirts. But how many are really in the rotation right now? I mean, I probably would wear the same like uh, nine or 10 T-shirts over and over again. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have like a 10 shirt rotation. I, I don't think suits are like that. I think suits, you could have like four and you're good to go. Okay. So Kramer needs help with getting the jeans off. They appear to be unbuttoned, but to, to my expert eye, Keeve, it does not seem like the fly is undone. It's very strange. They don't try and, you know, do the button or, or zip or even zip the fly. It's quite it, like they don't really make an effort to, uh, you know, even like even to say like, hey, did you do that? And he's like, I can't. It's stuck or something. Yeah, that would be OK. They really attempt the most asinine ways of trying to get those jeans off of Kramer. And at no point do they say, OK, well, let's let's just cut them. Yeah, it, right. I, I think the cutting should have happened right here. There's about four more scenes where you could just cut them. You would think so. But, you know, maybe Kramer spent a lot of money. This is a big investment on these jeans. Um. Yeah, but I ultimately like they're they're right off. Like, what do you when he takes them on? Is he ever put takes them off? Is he ever putting them on again? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Kramer ends up going out on the street to go and uh, walk, and he has like this really stilted walk throughout the episode that we'll see a bunch of times. So Jerry is at dinner with Grace, uh, aka Beth. Uh, she's uh for the uninitiated, she went on to play uh Grace from Will and Grace, and. She is telling Jerry that George's comment was what really did in the marriage. Oh, you know, Will and Grace coming back. It's coming back. Yeah, I saw something about that, but I saw that there was like people were not that excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it it was a fine show. I don't think it was ever anybody's like favorite show. I think some people it was their favorite show for a Yeah, yeah, I'm probably wrong at a point, but it was never like the biggest show on TV. It's a weird show to bring back. Yeah, I think probably around like. Uh, like right around the uh, the millennium, like around like uh, like 2000. Uh, I feel like that that's like the uh, like uh, peak Will and Grace, like 99. Yeah, that, 2000. Was, that was Will and Grace era. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I thought when you said like Grace, you you meant, you know, that she was like she was, you know, exp, you know, displaying a lot of grace on the date, which we know. No, is no, you can't. You can't uh, have a little grace. Well, it was a lot of grace. She was very <laughs> graceful at the table. Yeah, you either have it or you don't. That's it. Uh, so. Uh, they were married for three years. Uh, Jerry says that was a long time to get married. Yeah, it's a funny line. And so it wasn't just that. He would also ask a lot of questions to himself and then answer them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would get old after a few weeks, but she really put it up with three years. Really, Beth's a trooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know people that do that? Do I know people who do that? I wouldn't know. Like, I, it's not something I pay attention to. I don't yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. I know people who like you really want them to stop talking. They talk too much. But it, it's I, I wouldn't care if someone asked themselves a question as long as they answered it quickly. Yeah. Let me do the talking. Like, stop. Stop talking so much. Not you, the person, the hypothetical person in that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do podcasts and radio shows by themselves and also do that. It's really a ama- Well, you have to. You have to. If you're like Mike Francesa and you're on the air 30 hours a week by yourself, mm-hmm. you really have to learn how to phrase it. It's really like Colin Coward. Like, it's very it's yes. actually a very impressive skill. It is. It is. I can't do it. No, I definitely couldn't. I couldn't host yeah. a show by myself for, uh, you know, who could do it in the in the RHGP world who could host a show by themselves? Who's that? Antonio. Antonio Mazzaro. Can, he, wow. Yeah. He, I think he could ask a question to him. He can like monologue more than most people. <laughs> That's interesting. I'd yeah, like I to see the, the pilot for the Antonio solo hour. Yeah, I think he could do it. I think he could uh, he could host his own show. But yeah, it's definitely a skill that you that you have to learn. It's, uh, you know. See, I'm, I'm by myself here for 10 seconds now. I'm dying. 
Yeah. <laughs> <Chime in. laughs> All right. So uh, we also get more of the blame on George and Elaine's side of this date. Uh, and she says, yeah, he's he's an idiot. Uh, I mean, he definitely is an idiot, George. The thing is that George is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing about that is uh, he is an idiot. All right. So then let's go to scene study uh, at the actor studio. Mickey is waiting for Kramer. He comes in and in the scene, Kramer is somebody who's being accused of murder. Mickey is a cop interrogating them and that he gets up on the stage and Mickey tells him, all right, sit down, take a seat. And Kramer cannot sit down and Mickey is getting very upset about this whole thing. I also really love the name of the fake play here. It's I think it's better than any fake Seinfeld movie. What is it? Flesh Wounds in Ithaca. Flesh Wounds in Ithaca. Yes. That sounds like an unbearable play. <laughs> very dramatic. Yeah, I, I, that's like one of those. I, you couldn't get a Kiva to go for ten thousand dollars. I plays. <laughs> All right. So Mickey ends up getting so mad that he basically just like dive tackles Kramer. Yeah, he really goes like he really just goes after him. He if he was really a good actor, he'd be like, oh, I guess you can't sit down. Like clearly Kramer's improving, right? Yes. According, you know, if Mickey doesn't realize about the jeans, Mickey could not roll with the punches here. So we go back to Elaine and Jerry in Jerry's apartment. I feel like that these are always fun. These scenes of Elaine and Jerry sort of like uh, basically like celebrating. We had this a few weeks ago with the cigars of them sitting yes. on the couch here. They're drinking cans of cores and Elaine is answering her own hypothetical questions about how good things went. And Jerry is telling her what did you, what a stroke of genius this uh, I'm there for you. Yeah, I love when they're in celebratory mode. It's never going to last, but I, I like it. Yeah. George comes in and uh, they're so happy to see him. You're the man of the hour. We're in prime pouncing position. And they're like doing like some sort of like a like a creepy dance and like uh, like uh, like like uh, I thought it was odd. It is odd. But the thing is, Elaine doesn't look so incompetent doing this dance, which, you Uh-oh. know, is strange because, yeah, you know, I don't know if this is canon and maybe she's a bad dancer. I'm not like Carrie Ann and Naba. Like, I'm not good at judging these things. <laughs> But I, I think the, I think the, you know, the canon of her being a bad dancer is really thrown into question by she kind of has moves here. Yeah, she does have some moves. Uh, Jerry does not. Oh, no. Jerry is the worst dancer on the planet. <laughs> yes. And so George is very upset about this. He can't be responsible for breaking up a marriage that his comment did that. And he has to go undo this. And they tell him, you're not going to undo anything. Since when does George care? I think that this is the kind of thing where I, I I feel like that in his mind, he wants to be a good guy. And I think that uh, that he feels like that they would eat at, at him. I didn't find this to be out of character for him. You know what is kind of out of character? What's that? I think it might be better if we're going to rewrite the uh, second half of this episode. What if George convinced David, who hates George, but like maybe, you know, if George, maybe David wanted to get with Susan, George convinces David to try and pull the same thing on Susan mm-hmm. instead of David doing it maliciously, like it being George's plot. And then it just backfires onto George. You know, what I don't like that is because I love the moment so much between Jerry and George when George comes to Jerry's apartment and he's so excited about what happened and he's like retelling the whole story to Jerry. I, I just I really love that moment so much. Yeah, no, for no, it's definitely funnier this way. But I do think it's like more, you know, j- typical George to actually come up with the scheme like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That would be fun also. 
So we end up then with Elaine and Jerry basically wrestling George to the ground to try to get him to not talk to Beth. Um, yeah, I, Elaine really does like a WWE move on him. It's impressive. Yeah, a lot of physical violence. Yeah, a lot of physical comedy also in this episode. Like all four actors really have to, uh, you know, like break a leg here. It's uh, Kramer has about as, as much as he ever has to do. And, and there's just a lot going on. So a very roughed up George shows up at Beth's apartment and that is the act break here in this episode. And then we come back from the commercial and George is talking with Beth and she's saying how George really articulated the whole crux of the issue of the matter in his comment of, boy, you could do a lot better than this guy. Yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, it, it's not like something she was thinking about, even though they were on the rocks. Like, why were they on the rocks then if she didn't realize that she was too good for him? Yeah, well, he asks questions all the time out loud. I guess. I guess yeah. that was the only deal breaker. That makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. So and then as they're talking about this, the phone rings. It's Jerry and uh, Beth puts him on the phone. Uh, allegedly, he called because he wants to say hello. And uh, we find out that he's saying, what the hell are you doing? Get out of there. And George is like pretending he's saying something else. I mean, we've all had to do that on the phone, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like the person's right next to you. You don't want them to think that you're talking about them. So it's like, oh, I'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's very funny here. He's like, no, I, I ate already. Thank you for thinking about me. And he starts talking about, uh, you know, chocolate chip mint, the chocolate and the mint. <laughs> Uh, he's very good at this. Yeah, he does a good job of banter here. Okay. And Jerry is just like incensed. Yeah, Jerry's rarely like the side player that you just like sort of hear, you know, like loosely through the phone. It's funny that your main character is sort of like being thrown aside here. Quick question, though. How does George know where Beth lives? Phone book? Yeah, so someone wrote that in uh, in the mailbag. I, it's got to be a phone book. That's the only real answer. Okay. Because, right, Jerry and uh, Elaine are not giving up that piece of information, obviously. For George to ruin their whole situation. Okay. Here's where things take a weird turn, Keith. So Kramer is coming into Jerry's apartment, still wearing the jeans. A woman comes in and says to Kramer, she has to run out. Can Kramer watch little Joey for an hour? Yeah, I think we'll call her Mrs. Anvino. Mrs. Anvino. Yeah. Uh, You know, she uh, first of all, she clearly like must have just moved to Jerry and Kramer's floor to be willing to let Kramer babysit. Right. She has to go out. Kramer has to babysit. Kramer, no issue, goes right over. I mean, Kramer is the type of guy who would be willing to babysit your kid. Mm-hmm. The problem is you shouldn't be asking him in the first place. Okay, so... And how bad is it for Mrs. Anvino that, like, she's relying on strangers, basically, to... Very bad. Or, like, yeah, it's not ideal. Okay. All right. Beth calls up, and now she's thinking maybe she made... A huge mistake. Oh, definitely. She made a big mistake. Yes. And uh, it's because of George and Elaine is having this conversation with Jerry. And we've seen this before. I'm trying to remember what episode it was where they're sort of like uh, talking like it's a heist. And Elaine is like basically giving Jerry the marching orders. Yeah. Elaine is the captain of this operation. Yeah. And she's like, you get over there right now. She's, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, that she's dealing with the dumb one. And, you know, he has the easy part. He has the, the, the winner in this relationship. It is funny that she admits that, like she realizes, even though she likes the guy a lot, clearly George, I mean, Jerry is, you know, he's getting the attractive doctor, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, he's just, you know, she's just stuck with Carrie Ulwell's Elway's. Yeah, that makes me think of like John Elway and he's nothing like John Elway. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> well, maybe so the Princess Bride, you would think differently. Why does he play a lot of football in the Princess Bride? No, but he's sort of like the hero. I, do I really have to see the Princess Bride? I don't know why you think you wouldn't like it. I'm sure I would like it. Andre the Giant is in it. You like him. I mean, I don't have any opinion on him. I'm sure he's you know, he's dead for a long time, right? <laughs> he's been dead for a long time. If you're a wrestler and your name is Giant, you died in your 40s. <laughs> <laughs> if that. If, if you made it yeah. to 40. Yeah. So. Um, no offense, Kane. Yeah. I think you should check it out. All right. Maybe for next week. Okay. And so Jerry is going to go. Elaine's going to drive. And uh, Jerry says he could hitchhike. She insists he goes in the car. So George and Susan are at the coffee shop. And this is like, we start going like bang, bang, bang. We have like now, you know, we've done like, what, 13 scenes? Is that what you have so far? Yeah. And now now there's like 20 more. <laughs> Not yeah, literally. We'll start like going like scene after scene. I've, I've got 28 total in the episode. So like in the last yeah. like uh, like 10 minutes of the episode, we're going to have like 15 scenes. So George and Susan are in the coffee shop and Susan uh, and George are talking about how Susan bought George shoelaces and uh, they worked out good. Susan knows where they can get more. We did see George and Susan earlier this season talk about shoelaces. Yeah, great callback to like they're still having the same horribly boring conversation. Yeah. All right. So Elaine is driving the car. Jerry is getting sort of nauseous. He doesn't feel good in the car. I mean, I feel like if you're going to do this in an episode, Jerry needs to vomit. He needs to throw up. But again, you don't want to mess with the throw up streak. Maybe if he's dizzy, like, right. There has to be something where, again, I I like the idea of like Kramer going through the windshield. I think that's really funny. (laughs) All right. So when we go back to Jerry, he's now with Beth and he's having this conversation with her and she's opening up to him and he starts talking about handball sneakers that he wanted when he was younger, black ones, and then he didn't get them. And this is all just chalked up to that. He's so nauseous. He can't even make sense anymore. It doesn't make sense, right? It's not clear. It's not. You're right. He should. He should throw up on her. Yeah, that's what it should be. I mean, if you're going to go to the point where it's, you know, Chekhov's motion sickness, if that's what it's going to be, then he has to throw up on her. That's it. Now, are handball shoes a real thing? I bet they are. If you look them up. Yeah, I see on on Amazon. I see Adidas handball shoes. Yeah, but but it's that's team handball. Hmm. That's the the Olympics handball, not the when Jerry says handball, he means like probably like the racquetball, old, like, you know, Bronx, like racquetball, but with your hands mm-hmm. like that okay. they play in like the, you know, off the walls in like Brooklyn in the old days or whatever. Yeah. All right. So then we end up with Elaine and David. They're off on a date. Elaine is making up a story about how her father left her when she was nine. She has separation anxiety and. They end up seeing George and Susan sitting in monks. Uh, yeah. I mean, is this his plan? He's coming like he's he's as it's chambered to destroy George here. Oh, you think this is like a jerk store type thing? I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean, clearly he's seething like he knows he's never getting doing this well again. Right. Yes. You know, Beth could find, you know, 10 Davids on the street. David's never landing another Beth. You don't think so? I mean, he's Carrie Elway's. Yeah, but is he? I mean, he got buttercup. You know, we didn't. I don't know what that is. That's a, it sounds like a horse. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't discuss it, but in the in the scene where Elaine and uh, Carrie Luz are in the restaurant and he's asking and answering his own questions for about 10 seconds, he starts speaking in a British accent, which I'm assuming this Carrie Elway guy has. He's from England. Yes. Yes. British accent. And this has to be the most egregious Philbin, the most egregious, um, you know, sort of like bad edit in the in the history of the show. If they're accidentally letting him leave in 
a bad like this British accent. I thought That's he was crazy, supposed right? to be British. I thought that he was playing British the whole time. Only those 10 seconds. I know. Does I he sound the British? Whole time. I thought he sounded British the whole time. Oh, so, uh, Buttercup in Princess Bride played by Robin Wright, who, of course, is uh, the wife of Kevin Spacey, your favorite on House of Cards. Isn't she Jenny from Forrest Yeah, Gump then she's also? Jenny from Forrest Gump. Oh, that's like the best call I've ever had in movies. That's like the only thing I know. Yeah. Um, your 84th best film of all time. Was it? Something like that. No, it wasn't in the top 100. Your wife was really upset. Oh, no, it was. It was just bad. It was too a low. bad... Uh, it was too low too low, for her. too low. too low. Um, I think that... I, I. It seems as if it's a mistake that they left in. That maybe they were testing it as both. And they said they decided to go with not British, but they left in the take in the restaurant where he speaks Britishly because he goes out of it right away. And maybe it's like if they said, hey, Rob, this show is in England. We need you to do a British accent. You might try your best. But one, they might say, OK, that's horrible. Don't don't do that again. Or or you might, or you might just accidentally fall out of it. So he might just be doing the worst fake American accent in the history of the world. Yeah. Carrie Ulls. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know really either way. I mean, I feel like if you have Carrie Elways, I feel like just let him have an accent. Um, I don't know why you need to have him fake being, you know, somebody else, but whatever. And so he moves in. He sees George sitting with Susan and he says, when, hey, this is my fiance, Susan. And he has a chambered ready to go like, oh, fiance, you could have done a lot better than him. Yeah. And, you know, it's I guess George, because he has no relationship with Susan, didn't bring up this like major thing that he's done, you know, because mm-hmm. usually you'd go home and, you know, someone like you who's got a great relationship with his wife would be like, first thing you do is like, hey, Nicole, I think I broke up a marriage. Yeah. I guess. Guess what I did today. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's funny, right? It's a good story, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't even have like the relationship with Susan to pull that off. So, yeah, he's still talking about shoelaces. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't do that. I mean, I long for a good story to tell to my wife. Of course, of course. That's not about like you doing something dumb that's going to get you right. in trouble. Right, like I broke up somebody else's marriage, not my own. Totally, that's fine. Right. All right, and Susan is left pondering. She's thinking about something now, and now the wheels are turning for Susan. I do like that they give, like Susan, this is her last episode before she dies, spoiler alert. And I like that they give her so little to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half hour episode next week. Yes. My yes. theory, like I was skeptical at the beginning of the year, uh, at the beginning of the season that like they really knew she sucked. So they sort of kept it light for her. I think I've been proven correct. Yes. Like they could have easily if Susan was like a great actress, like once she's already going to be there every episode, they could have really used her and they they do not use her. OK. All right. So we go back to the babysitting of Joey. And so Kramer is walking around. And Joey looks over and sees the shadow of Kramer and realizes that, oh, this is Frankenstein. Right. That, right. Kramer looks exactly like Frankenstein in a shadow. They did a good job with the shadow here. They did a good job with the shadow. My nitpick on this part would be Jerry already said earlier in the episode, you're walking around like Frankenstein. So I think like when we talk about on the SNL podcast, the Rich Tackenberg rule of cameos, if the joke is going to be the kid is going to think it's Frankenstein, I feel like that joke is better if we didn't already make a joke of somebody else comparing Kramer to Frankenstein. I agree with the rule. The issue is, will the audience know what's going on if you don't set up the Frankenstein? I think that they would hear the kids say Frankenstein. Um, no, I don't think he does. Okay, All right. Maybe that's what they needed to do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 
Joey runs for it. First off, can I just also say, what the hell kind of apartment is this? This looks nothing like any other apartment in Jerry's building. This looks like a house. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is maybe the penthouse of, of the floor. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. All right. So, that, by the way, are you a Little Giants fan? Uh, not really. Did you see it? What's that? Rick Moranis and yeah. Ed O'Neill? You might have been like it. a year. You might have been like a year too old to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, it? just if I was like one year older, I probably wouldn't like it. Yeah, this kid is like one of the stars of the movie. Okay, and so now Joey goes and runs for it. Somehow gets past Kramer. I guess runs out the building. Kramer has time to call Mickey and then wait for Mickey to come over, as opposed to what chasing after the kid. Yeah, just chase the kid. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think uh, I mean, this plan is so abysmal. It doesn't it's it's crazy. Like we're losing a lot of time. Uh, I mean, maybe because Kramer can't run because he's yeah, he can't run. That's his issue. He can't run. But still, still. All right. So he calls the police run. Mickey is on a date. And so uh, he's with some woman and Kramer calls in the hey, I got you in the actor's studio card. They thought we were really fighting that time. Yeah. So maybe Mickey is a good improv you know, guy that he he decided to go with it. Okay. All right. So Mickey's going to come over. And so they end up with uh, putting, doing a plan where they put Mickey in the kid's bed so he could sort of pretend to be the kid if the mom comes home. And again, mom comes home. Let's say she doesn't. Mickey doesn't say goodnight, right? Mm -hmm. Kramer finds the kid on the street, brings him back upstairs uh, into the special magic house that's on their floor of their apartment. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Brings him in the door and says, uh, you know, first of all, the mom who does not see Kramer in the house at all. So she's probably furious that she asked Kramer to babysit and he didn't. Right. Because he's not in the house. Yes. Kr- Kramer comes in. Hey, where were you? Oh, my God. Why do you have Joey? I just saw Joey in the bed like her. It's like a horror movie at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Her head is terrible. Up. And then how is she, how is he like then she's immediately going to the bed. What's in there? You're still going to get the same like, you know, un- incredible shriek. And even if you don't, even if she's just such a buffoon, she's like, oh, I didn't notice you guys go outside and get ice cream. How is he getting Mickey out of the house? Mm-hmm. Is he jumping out a window? Is he going at the fire escape? Like, yeah, fire what, escape. What? Yeah. It, to me, this is not a plan with a high upside. OK, so we go back to the diner and Susan and George are leaving. Susan would like to be alone. She's got to do a lot of thinking. Yeah, I mean, she can't do any acting, so let her do thinking. <laughs> All right. So uh, George shows up at Jerry's apartment, and this is my favorite scene in the whole episode where he comes in and he's like, uh, Jerry, this is incredible news. <laughs> the guy, he comes in, David, and he, and, and, uh, he says to me, boy, you could do a lot better than this guy because that's what I said to him, Jerry. And he's, uh, he's so excited. It's so funny that it's just like the frantic energy. And he's like, Dude, don't you see what's going on here? That she's thinking about breaking up with me because he thought it would he thought it would hurt me. I love it because it's not even like a plot in the episode. It's just part of the season long story arc. Mm hmm. That it just comes out of nowhere and jo- and like George just can like let let you know let loose that like oh my gosh this might be happening even though he hasn't brought it up once in the episode they're mm-hmm. really playing the long con with him trying to get out of this engagement yes and it does seem like that's what Susan is thinking of course yeah they're trying to lead us to believe that that's what she's thinking I mean at a certain point why can't George I, I mean he literally can't George is such a good conversationalist as he admits and he can't talk to Susan about anything other than toothpaste why not. Just call off this dumb wedding. Mm-hmm. 
It's not like Susan is very rich. We don't really learn the magnitude of how rich he is till the first couple episodes of next season. Yes. So it does, it, it's not like he's even really in it for the money. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, they're only having chicken at their wedding. They're not even having the steak or the meat, you know? And the irony is Susan with, you know, her finances, she could do a lot better than this guy. Yes, but <laughs> according to George's rule, just marrying, the, you know, merging the professions. Yes. Uh, what's, more, what's more noble, a nurse or a podcaster? Uh, nurse, by far. Okay, n- nurse beats you, okay. Yes, yes. I mean, that is a much more uh, economy-proof profession and a much yeah. more respected uh, profession. You help people. And so, yeah, nurse is a lot better. Yeah, if there's a recession, the first thing to go is the podcast. That's pro- probably right. <laughs> From very, very shaky ground here in podcasting 2016. Um, I think that uh, so in, according to George's rule, George works for the New York Yankees and he has like a direct line of access to George Steinbrenner, like the third most famous person in all of Manhattan. Right. You know, the uh, Elaine, uh, Susan is a former TV executive that is now unemployed we're not sure right i think she references a job once this season but we don't know what she does i think is the term yeah so uh, is like attractiveness wise you know susan is is uh you know smoking george uh in terms of family finances yes susan has a lot more going on than uh, uh george costanza but just going job for job George is beating Susan right now. Probably. Probably. So maybe that's And in New York. If you're like, if you have a good job and you're a guy, you can you can handle being ugly. <laughs> I guess you know? so. And poor. so like the George's job is a pretty cool job. Like you could pick up women just saying like, hey, I'm an executive with the Yankees. Yeah. Well, George is so excited about this whole thing. And Jerry is not matching his enthusiasm. And uh, George is asking like, what's wrong? Isn't this a great story? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's a good story. I'm, I'm just nauseous. Back to the nauseous. Yeah, you're right. It didn't even bother me so much when I watched it, but it's so weak that they almost need to cut it. Like, who cares? It is a funny story. And George is like, not Jerry's not appreciating. You don't feel it. He's not a, a good enough like physical actor for you to feel Jerry's nausea, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not it. yeah, not great. Anyway, so we see on the street, Joey is running from the babysitter. He thinks it's Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, I, I listen. There's Joey is too fast for uh, for for Kramer with with, with these tight pants. Wouldn't yeah. you think like if these pants are so tight and Kramer tries to run, wouldn't they split at a certain point also? You would think so. You would think yeah. that, that would be the case. That might help things out. But maybe they're just made from this industrial strength denim. Yeah, there's got to be something special about these pants. Very special pants. All right. So Joey runs into a police officer and then says the monster is trying to get me. And he's on the babysitter. Uh, yeah, he's pretty scary right now. I yeah. would arrest him also. <laughs> arrest him. This pervert in the tight pants is chasing me. All right. So Elaine and David are back together and uh, that they're toasting. Here's to you being there. Uh, and suddenly Beth walks in and they immediately go to make out city. Yeah, it's make out mode. I mean, which really just, you know, makes it seem that they were each trying to use each other to make the other one jealous or that they're just both bananas. Mm-hmm. Insanely jealous, I think. Or just I think they're just both crazy. They're both insane. Yeah, that's probably it. And Elaine just like pounds the drink that she has. Yeah, I do like that. I, I like that she like finishes. She tops off. She finishes it 
you know, like I'm getting my money's worth here if I have to leave. Yeah, it's fun. Anyway, uh, George and Susan, they are back together. Susan comes home and she says uh, she needs to talk. What is George doing? Is he packing? I think he's pa- taking his stuff. It's just a little confusing because he has one of Susan, does, like the doll that looks like George's mom with him. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he is in the middle of packing. He's moving out of the house. Yeah. All right. So then she's been thinking a lot about the wedding and she tells him she's going to go with the chicken. Is that really what she was thinking about the whole time? I'm not sure, but let's hype. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She's going to go with the chicken for what? For her entree? For what she's going to eat at the wedding? I mean, I get no serve everybody chicken or, or do you in 1996? I guess she is. She's giving like that's the main entree that they're going with. There's no choice. Yeah, shouldn't isn't it usually like steak, chicken, or fish or something like that? Vegetarian option, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Whatever. They just needed to have something. Okay. All right. Well, Why are we uh, analyzing the joke? I'm I don't know. Kidding. That's it. Well, <laughs> That's so, we look, we don't have a lot of other time to analyze Susan. Yeah. She actually looks very good in this episode, Heidi Swedberg. Oh, good for Heidi Swedberg. All right. Yep. And then we get to the tag. And then I do think this is a funny callback to now Kramer is in being interrogated by the police and they tell him to sit down and he can't because of the jeans. It is funny. Uh, I, do, do we need a conclusion to the jeans story in this episode? No, this was fine. I mean, I, I'm going to assume that at some point Kramer gets out of the jeans. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's not in the jeans for the rest of the series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think that this was fine. I like that um, altogether. All right, Keeve, let's talk about the big picture for the wait out. Uh, yeah. An interesting episode. I think a little bit underrated. Yeah. I, strong episode pretty much all around. I think I'd make that one tweak of Jerry should probably throw up either on Beth or at least in Beth's apartment. I think that's probably too gross to have him throw up on her. And then, then she goes to go run and make out with David. So well, then does he that's good. But then does he throw up on George also when George is trying to tell him the story? Hmm. I I think then he's he feels better at that point. Okay, so there's nothing. He just listens to that story and hears it. And we're just repeating something that's already happened. I mean, I think we could probably just do a whole rewrite on the Elaine car driving part of it and figure out some other way for Jerry to break up with Beth. I think that's the only flaw in this episode for me. Okay. But otherwise, a uh, really strong outing, I felt. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and I do agree. Uh, pretty underrated. So let's go through the grading. And why don't we start with Jerry and his pursuit of Beth? Um, I mean, he almost have to... or just, he gets nauseous. That's his other thing. Yeah, I, we won't even count that. You almost have to count the Jerry and the Elaine storylines together because they're so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, you know, I'll give that an A. I think it's I think it's like a nice original concept. The idea of like two people and like sort of a couple splitting up another couple it's done well you know beth and david aren't like they don't ruin any scenes they yeah. don't you know add much or take much away they they sort of like just do their thing uh i, I give it an a i'll say that i'll give jerry a b and i'll give elaine an a because i feel like that she did most of the heavy lifting here yeah she did elaine does do the heavy lifting in this episode that's for sure elaine actually wins um the emmy f- that you know they you win it for the season but they they submit one episode, I guess, so the voters only have to watch one or two episodes instead of all 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she actually, they submitted this episode. So clearly they felt the same way that she really did a good job here. Okay. Uh, then what, and you give her an A as well? Yeah, although in hindsight, you could submit Julia We Drivers for any episode and she'll win an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, history has taught us. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give like Elaine it. an A. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What about George? 
Uh, you know, I really like the idea. I, him being nervous about breaking them up, fine. Him, him actually saying it is good. Uh, the stuff with Susan is pretty good. It's a very good setup for uh, the season finale. So I'll give him an A minus. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a ton to do before the stuff at the end, but uh, yeah, A minus seems fine. It might seem fine. You know, I, I really do love that uh, business with uh, him being so excited about where he ends up getting being the recipient of that line. And then what about Kramer? Um, I, I he, you know, Michael Richards does a really good job of the physical comedy. It's funny seeing him not be able to sit down. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, I'll give Kramer an A minus, too. Yeah, I'll say A minus and the minus is just for the stuff with uh, we, we didn't need Mickey to come and, and go in the bed. And, you know, I didn't even mention the part where the mom comes home and then she's like, oh, good night, Joey. And he's like, good night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, used to think that was a funny scene. I think it's not a bad scene. It's it's not bad, but it's just it's a little like one step too far out there. I'm not sure that's Seinfeld. OK. You know, that's like uh, the, I don't know. That's like Bugs Bunny. Will and Grace. Yeah. Will and Grace. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Will and Grace either. <laughs> okay. Keep your, all right. Let's talk about where does this go in the Pantheon? Now, we know Keeve liked this one, said it was underrated. Did it crack the top 50? I think that's the question. I'm going to say no. I think it's going to be just outside. I will say 58. Pretty good guess. I have it at 72. 72. So maybe a little lower than my actual opinion. I, maybe if I had to do these rings again, maybe I'd move it up ahead of the few, you know, into the 60s. But okay. too late now. Will you have a revised list after 180? Will you do a list of the edited list now that you've watched? I don't all think I, I, I think I'd need to rewatch all of them again to sort of be on the same plane of doing that. But I, maybe I would move a couple up. But I, I, I feel this is canon okay. for our purposes. Unless we, you know, we rewatch the whole series and I do. I have to do a whole new rankings, right? Mm, yes yeah but you have to if we if we watch series you have to do the rings too okay fair enough all right so then let's dive into the mailbag seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com is where your emails come from and for those of you guys who are about to turn the podcast off you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash seinfeld itunes to subscribe yeah but don't turn it off we got really good questions no, i think this is my favorite part yeah you're an idiot if you listen this far and you're gonna turon it off yeah come on come on all right Johnny Savera says, before rewatching this episode, I knew of Beth more from the yada yada episode in season eight. If Jerry has such a big thing for Beth, how does he not know that she's a racist anti-Semite before then? Or do these feelings of her just come out of the blue in a year's time? Keeve. Yeah. So is it possible Jerry could have the hots for Beth? and not know that she is a racist anti-Semite? Yeah. So I put this question in. I think. The, the more interesting question is like, how long could you date someone without knowing that they were like, you know, prejudiced against somebody or, you know, that like, how long could somebody be in a relationship and hide the fact that they were like a giant racist? Hmm. Two dates. You think so? I think there's a possibility it didn't come up on the first date, but I think that it's almost like they want to signal to you by the second date. Sure. Racists are generally not embarrassed about being racist or else they wouldn't be racist. Right. Right. There's very few. I'm sure there are closet racists, but most people will let the cat out of the bag pretty quickly. So unless she was like a racist who is embarrassed or trying to pretend 
that she was like, you know, like a regular member of society for whatever reason, I guess, because she's a doctor. She doesn't seem to um, think that way. Right. Uh, Right. So I I agree. It it could only be a few dates before. And and that's if like they're not either a, a massive racist or B, they're at least trying a little bit. Not like they're being polite on their first few dates. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, what about Dan the Benefactor? Yeah, Dan the Benefactor, a little, a little more money to, to benefact this week. Yeah. He asks, for a hypothetical Mets player, and he's, he's referring to the fact that, uh, that Beth is Don Mattingly's doctor. Yeah. How high, how, basically, how good of a player would the Mets guy have to be? How, how good would their batting average have to be for you to overlook the fact that Beth is their personal doctor, given what we know about her political views? No, you could go to a racist doctor. Hmm. Well, we are not going to root for a player who is a racist doctor. I thought that the question was to date her. So you would want to date her because she was David Wright's doctor, for instance. Oh, that's probably a better question, but that's not what Dan asked. But I think that is a better question. Yeah. How high would their batting average need to be for you to overlook the fact that Beth is a personal doctor? Yeah, I I guess so. I I guess guess you're 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 probably right. I mean that and we're look, for Reyes and yeah, and, I was going to say like I mean I mean there there are people that are actually on the Mets who have <laughs> who done do worse things you know far that, worse so. things than have a racist doctor and we still root yeah. for them. Vince, what did Vince, Vince Coleman like threw a firework at a kid, right? Yeah, but it, but he sucked, and then we didn't root for him. Uh, no. We root for the laundry, Dan, and I think That's right. that uh, there are some people that might uh, wear a Washington Nationals uniform that might uh, not be the most uh, savory characters. Yeah, they could probably date Beth, that person. Yes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pat in Ohio wants to know, why didn't Kramer just use some scissors to cut off the jeans? Yeah, and Max the Millennial also about the jeans says, uh, in Always Sunny, there's an episode where Frank wears skinny jeans and eventually they have to use scissors to cut him out. Do we think that that Always Sunny episode is a direct nod to Seinfeld? And Always Sunny is often called like sort of Seinfeld 2.0, right? Right. Like, uh, like a more evil version of Seinfeld. So... I do. I, it can't be an accident, right? Someone that one of the you know gang or somebody had to know that this is like a famous episode of Seinfeld. You think so? I don't know if it's necessarily a nod to Seinfeld. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine they do the same storyline and say, "Oh, this is a, a nod to Seinfeld," and not call it out. So you think it was just like a coincidence? It's just like a funny comedy idea that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that Seinfeld does. I'm sure it probably didn't even occur to them, and they said, "Oh, it wouldn't be funny if Danny DeVito was wearing skinny jeans." Or maybe it just bothered them that Kramer never gets out of the jeans by the end of the episode. Yeah, they're like, "We'll show them. This was what you." Yeah. <laughs> This is how you do an ending for an episode, guys. Yes. All right. What about Courtney and Kendall? All right. So first, they busted our chops by about Mellow Yellow. Oh, did we ever did you never go to an Arby's in the early 2000s? No, of <laughs> course. I never went to an Arby's. Have you have you been to Arby's? I have been to an Arby's, uh, but I am not proud of it. How's the roast beef? Yeah, really not great. I mean, I got to be honest. It's not. Like I mean, a, if if they're messing up the roast beef, what are they doing there? Because that's all they do. Yeah, it's nothing to write home about. It's basically, you know, John Stewart is always killing Arby's. Dear mom, I <laughs> went to an Arby's. <laughs> yeah. Why are you writing me a letter? Uh, <laughs> you just yes. text me. Right. Uh, they're, sh- they're sure that Chester's already written us a novel about this. But how does Kramer use the bathroom while in those jeans? That seems to be a gaping plot hole. Um, so like we said, they, when he's trying to get the jeans off, they never really deal with the button. But I don't understand why the fly thing wouldn't work here. I don't know. I, I wonder if they were button fly and not zipper fly. Okay. I mean, if the jeans have a zipper, I think you have your answer, Courtney and Kendall. The problem is, you know, without getting too technical, if these jeans are so tight 
right? That like he he can't breathe. Like even if you could physically zip the zipper down, I'm not I'm not sure that that's getting him all right, the way right, there. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's tricky. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, yeah, it's hurting I, me just thinking about it. Right, right. It's a <laughs> it's a great question and one that is unanswerable based on yes. this episode. Yeah, it is a good question. Yeah. Uh, but and they also they they don't like that Julia won the Emmy for this episode. They found her a bit annoying and over the top. No, she was fine in this episode. Did you see that Brenda Star hair? Yeah, she was really good. Yeah. She's she's coming to her own, Julie Louis Dreyfus in season seven. Uh, Lindsay wants to say, do either of you feel like that you have any idea what type of pants your friends normally wear? It seemed like a weird observation of Jerry to make that Kramer always used to wear jeans. No, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think I would notice if somebody like always wore sweatpants and then was doing something different. I think I would notice if they always did one thing, right. did something different. If they had put on like suit pants that day. Mm, yeah. Also, uh, Lindsay says that she's totally with Beth on this, but it's infuriating when people do the self-interview and answer their own questions. Survivors do it all the time and she hates it. Does it bug you guys? I feel like it could be especially annoying to Rob as someone who actually interviews people. Yeah, I do find it annoying when I actually am interviewing someone and then they do it like they are interviewing themselves in my interview with them. Right. Although a lot of times when you interview people, they're doing a whole press tour. So they're doing 20 interviews back to back to back. Right. But still. So, yeah, it is annoying. Interview yourself. On Sometimes there'll time. be someone and you get two questions in in 15 minutes. It's rare, but it's happened, right? Where it's like the person just sort of goes with the first question and gives a monologue until you, and you have to like find the right time to cut them off. Right. And if you want to know probably the worst offender of that in the history of interviewing. Oh, I know who it is. Who is I it? Know it is. Who is it? A Garrett Adelstein. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good I job, think you've mentioned Keith. it before, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, he, you just gave him one question and then he like didn't stop speaking till. Yeah, he just interviewed himself the whole rest of the life. All right. Uh, Hunter wants to know who's more famous in 2016, Carrie Elways or Deborah Messing? It is a ridiculous question, Hunter. Yes. What do you think? It, it, well, here's how I always judge fame. OK, like if, if someone asks a question like this, if they were both if they were both booked for Jimmy Fallon tonight, who's coming on first? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a smart way to judge like who's more. Famous. I think you're going to say if they both died, who would lead the news? Oh, OK. That's a good that's a good one, too. But I'm I'm classy. I wouldn't say. Yeah, that. this I'm is much darker. Yeah, I'm not killing off Carrie Elways. I just heard about him like two hours ago. Right. Right. Uh, probably uh, Deborah Messing. No, I, Deborah no Messing question. is, you know, one of. But the problem with Deborah Messing with Will and Grace is like. Basically, the show starts off and there's two leads and there's basically like four leads at by the end of the show. It's like, you know, the uh, the two, you know, Jack and Karen get like equal billing with Will and Grace pretty much by the end of the show. Megan Mullally. Yeah, but listen, you can't keep Megan Mullally down. Deborah Messing has three hundred twenty nine thousand followers on Twitter and Carrie Ools has 50,000. Yeah. So it's not a competition. Right. Probably in 1987, yep. Carrie Always was a lot better. Oh, I'm sure he's had his day. And this the show that he's promoting on his Twitter is on Crackle. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I'd say times are pretty bleak. I'm not even sure. How about this? Deborah Messing is definitely famous enough to go on Fallon. Not probably as the first guest, but certainly as the second guest. If she has a new project coming up, if she's, you know, has some new pilot or is in some like, I don't know, Tina Fey movie or something. Yeah. Carrie always might. They're sending him to like Corden, you know, mm. Seth Myers. He could be like the third guest on Seth Myers. <laughs> That's fair. One thirty in the morning. Wow. You're He's such not a famous booker, enough right now. Eve. I could book these shows. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't want to like 
I, it's a very unique skill. Just saying who's more famous. I feel like I'm not sure if that has any value to them, but yeah. if, they, if it does, they can call me up. I think that's a new game that we play on the podcast. Anytime a guest star comes on, you tell us mm. where they would fit in the late night TV landscape. Yes. And are they more famous than Deborah Messa? <laughs> the and, and if there's multiple guests in an episode, you basically like book the NBC primetime lineup. I also like, you know, there's certain guests who like will never be the second. Like you're ne- the president of the United States. Never going to come out second. Right. It's not going to be like, hey, we have, you know, Clooney tonight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Obama, you're coming out second, obviously. But the same thing, like Clooney's never coming out second. Cruz, Hanks, you know, Denzel Washington, any like real A-list guy is never, you know, they'll sooner not show up than be second. OK, so I like that move, too. OK, fair enough. The people who are too good for being second. All right. Uh, and uh, what does Caleb from Atlanta want from us? He says, what are the two weirdest professions to be married together? Like what George says to Dave and Beth at the beginning of the episode. The weirdest I know is my parents. My dad is a therapist and my mom is a teacher. That doesn't seem too odd. That's like the most common probably combination. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you can come up with? I mean, well, there's two kinds of weird. It's like, you know, my mom is like an FBI special agent and my mm-hmm. dad is kindergarten teacher, you know, or, or runs a racketeering, uh, right? Like it's sort of like you have sort of oh, like okay, two connected things and then yeah. two completely opposite things. drug dealer. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or two like completely like, uh, yeah. What uh, if like my mom is a Slovenian model, my dad's president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that would be one, you know, um, I, I don't know if there's any like, you know, like you could have like, a, you know, my dad is like, you know, uh, you know, a college professor and my mom is like, you know, a, a clown. I, I don't know what, yeah. you know, anything in clown unless it's unless it's also like trapeze artist in the circus. And I feel like those people kind of marry each other. The circus yeah. people. Now, uh, he, anything in clown is pretty good. Like good. It'd be hard to top like lawyer and clown or, you know, doctor and clown. Yeah. Now. Keith, Caleb wants to yeah. know, this is one of your famous questions. Uh, which Seinfeld character would you most and least want to have babysit your kid? I feel like that's your, always your criteria with things. Would you let this person babysit? Uh, yeah, that is how I judge people. Mostly because I need babysitters. You know, I don't want to yes. watch my kids. Yes. Um, that's, that's good. I think Elaine would be, obviously Kramer rules himself out in this episode, right? He'd be the worst. Mm-hmm. I think no question Elaine would be the best. I don't think there's any scenario... I enjoy if it was like an old enough kid for George and he could like play a board game with George. I think George would be OK there. Yeah. Jerry would ignore him. Kramer would leave. Elaine, I think, would be pretty good. Elaine is Elaine in a route. OK. Elaine would be the best with the kid. Yeah. I think Newman might be worse than Kramer. I think Newman would like take the kid out on like capers and stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's interesting. None of them would be good. Yeah. I no. feel like that George would get like could get into a fight with the kid like the bubble boy. Oh, totally. Yeah. George is getting into a fight with the kid. Possibly yeah. physical. Yeah. So, mm, yeah, I think that and Jerry is like not paying attention and they're like, any curses know. in front of kids. We know. Yes. Yes. Probably Elaine. I don't think she's going to like get into like an, uh, like an, a big argument with him. She just won't like them. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, she, there's no question. She'd be the best, but it, she's still a below average babysitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, then, uh, Amir, what does Amir have to say? All right. Amir says, well, it's a funny scene. Well, when Jerry tries removing Kramer's pants, they never unzip the zip, the zipper on the jeans. It's ridiculous. Additionally, if the pants are so tight, had Kramer managed to get his shirt tucked in? That's a good question. How did he tuck his shirt in? 
Yeah, if your jeans were that tight, I feel like then you would not want to tuck the shirt in. Yeah, when my when my like if if I'm ever wearing pants that are like I don't buy them tight, but let's say I like get fatter, so now it's like they don't fit as well. I can't even like wear a belt, even mm. on like the loosest thing. It like hurt, you know. It's like all right, this is too much. It's like pinching me. Yeah, no, not so. Great. Forget about tucking in the pants. Uh, he he also says while George is strangely the voice of reason in the way out storyline, is he really worried about being responsible for breaking up a marriage? In the finale, he's responsible for someone's death and it doesn't even phase him. Yeah, this I feel like that he doesn't want to have these it out there that he was the person like, yeah, I just don't think he wants people blaming him. Like, I don't think it's for him himself. Like the person that died could go to their grave blaming George. But like there's like actual people out there thinking George is a bad guy. He broke up my marriage. I think he wants to try to fix that. Yeah, and I really did not read this one beforehand, but I said the exact same thing during the podcast, which is that he also suggests that George should have gotten someone to point out to Susan that she could have done a lot better than George. Yeah. Right. He gets lucky, uh, uh, Amir says, but uh, it should have been obvious that he should have found someone to do it. OK, I, I, I'm obviously on the same page. But what is David's incentive to help George? No, he's just uh, he should get someone. My idea was David. Amir is saying just get like a random dude off the street to say it. Yeah. OK. All right. And then finally, uh, Chester weighs in and he says, much like Jerry does to Kramer, I'm calling Akiva out, claiming that he hasn't worn jeans in years. What do you say to this charge? Oh, I love it. I just wore jeans last night. Aha! <laughs> I mean, I don't wear pants often because I'm in the house. I'm wearing shorts usually. Yes. But if I leave that, I, I, I do. I do wear jeans once in a while. It's not a bad call, but I do wear jeans. Okay. Then Chester says, George announces that Elaine's car is parked in front of the coffee shop, taking up three spaces. One cannot take up three spaces in street parallel parking. I mean, if she had a truck, she for sure could. So I don't know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be tough. It'd be tough. Uh, George knows Beth so slightly that he's never met her husband, yet he knows where her apartment is. Yeah, you had the same question. Yeah. You looked in the yellow pages or the white pages, whatever it was, the pages. Okay, Mrs. Zanfino comes home and goes straight to see her kid. Wouldn't she wonder where Kramer was? Uh, yeah, it's very strange, right? Uh, it doesn't make any sense that she doesn't come in immediately and say, oh my God, run to the bedroom. What is going on here? Like, I mean, I, I, maybe she was gone so long that she understands that Kramer went home, so she's not nervous, but it's a little weird that she doesn't follow up. And finally, Chester wants to pile on Susan one more time uh, and says, what was Susan really thinking about? Was she thinking whether she could have done better and decided to stick with George anyway? And then just said this chicken thing because she needed something to say, or she's such a psychopath that she actually did need to be dramatically alone to think about the menu at the wedding. It's a good question, right? Is she just, is she lying? Is she just coming up with an excuse? I mean, again, she lives with George. So she's like probably caught this lying gene that George has. Mm hmm. At, uh, but I, I I think she's just vapid and she's just thinking about the chicken. Yeah, I trust her. I trust her that I think she was just thinking about something. Uh, well, why does she need to be alone? Look, I don't know. She's a, she's a <laughs> a troubled woman. Keith. Yeah, strange bird. Strange We're going to put her out of her misery next week. Yes. All right. Wow. All right. Can you believe it? We are at the death episode for Susan next week. Yeah, we're killing her off. Who knows? It sweeps weeks on the podcast, too. We could kill off a bunch of characters. Okay. All right. Well, very exciting stuff. Also, Keev, have you given any thought to the hashtag? I mean, something with Deborah Messing, maybe. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Something with Will and Grace. The Jimmy Fallon game. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. 
Yeah, f- hashtag first on Fallon. Fine, first on Fallon. Okay, or uh, something about uh, Carrie Illus. Yeah, but I don't know. No one knows how to spell that. Either. Okay, all right. First- I'm telling you, he would be so much more famous if he had a better last name. You think so? So would so would I also. <laughs> all right, uh, Keith. What's coming up on the Thirty Two Fans Podcast? Uh, well, we did this week's episode. Probably we should have held it off until after the election. It yeah, Chester been fun, uh, was seemed uh, pretty worked up. I have not. He has not uh, responded to any messages since the election was over. Hopefully he's yes. doing OK. Yes. Uh, but we uh, we we ranked. Um, what do we rank this week? The all 32 coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems good. I started listening to the first couple of minutes of that. Yeah, we ranked the coaches and, uh, uh, you know, next week, I think we're doing the quarterbacks. Yeah. Chester was really uh, flying high a couple of weeks ago with uh, a what? Four and oh Vikings and a commanding lead for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Five and oh Vikings. <laughs> he was happy about Hillary and how the tables have turned. You know, 2016, yeah. not not going great for Chester. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, fun stuff all around. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Scott St. Pierre for editing the Seinfeld post show recap. And then, of course, to Mike Moore for writing the Seinfeld recap on postshowrecaps.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keep anything else? No, I think we're good. All right. Have a good one, everybody. We will be back next week. And also look for an upcoming appearance for Keeve on Rob as a podcast. Maybe. Coming up soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.